The Perimeter is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. The Perimeter with Adam Morrison is brought to you by our official title sponsor, Mercedes-Benz of Spokane. Experience the best or nothing at Mercedes-Benz of Spokane with Dan Crowley and his exceptional team. They're located in beautiful Liberty Lake and his local family-owned dealership under Gee Automotive. Their staff prides itself on a personable and memorable experience from service to sales and will have you leaving the dealership feeling satisfied with a smile on your face all the way down the road. Back-to-back winners of the Best of the Best Civil Laurel Award receive invoice pricing on any new Mercedes-Benz in stock when you come in and mention the Perimeter Podcast. You can check out all their available inventory at SpokaneMercedes.com as well as stay up to date on all things Mercedes-Benz via their Facebook and Instagram pages. Call them at 509-455-9100 to schedule your Mercedes test drive today. The Perimeter brings No Lie Craft Brews onto the podcast. Born and raised in Spokane, USA, No Lie Brewhouse is a hometown and international competitor made here. Their beers have traveled and won medals against the best breweries around the world. Over 46 international brewing medals and counting. They are not content and they're always pushing forward to peak results. Grab a sixer and let's get into the podcast. podcast i got mike roth almost former ad of gonzaga 34 years at gonzaga 24 years as the ad appreciate you coming on happy to be here it's gonna be fun yes we're gonna cover a lot of topics obviously um you know i start a lot of the shows with kind of just how we first met how i know people obviously you were the ad Mm -hmm. when i was there um Trying to think of our first interaction. Do you remember our first interactions? I don't think you. Uh, probably wasn't till that summer of you know before your freshman year. Yeah. You were on campus, and you know, and again, you know, I interact much more with parents. You know, yeah, so yeah. your mom and dad, you know, more than you. Yeah. And you were such a you know outgoing, you know, <laughs> just go out and see everybody. Hey, here I am, type of person. You know, I mean, yeah. Adam was uh, trying to squeeze two words at him. You know. During his freshman year was like <laughs> near impossible. Yeah, Tommy Lloyd always says he's like, you're the only guy walking around uh, campus with like a Metallica and Slayer shirt. Like, so he's easy to pick out. But yeah, I didn't I didn't talk very much, especially that first freshman year. Um, what was that program called where we were in those tiny dorms right by the circle there? Do you remember what that program was like STEM or something? What was it? Uh, it, was, it was like, well, now they call it Gust, but it was something it was like some, that. Yeah, it was something where we were figured out how we could get freshmen uh-huh. on campus early. And, you know, it works great to do it. I mean, you get you get classes before everybody else starts yeah. class and you're able to work out with the coaches. Now they can work out fully with the coaches. But you know, in those days, I remember, I do remember that summer because you guys, coaches weren't able to work you out, mm-hmm. but I remember that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a few of the fellas, especially, uh, gosh, it's hell to get old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is some interesting, I, I remember I got, so I had a Dodge Airy station wagon was my first car and it went, uh, tits up at the you know, in front of the campus. Right. And so my friend was like, Hey, can we just like destroy it? 
So we went out and because we were giving it to charity or whatever, like pardoned it. Right. So we were out there beating it with like a sledgehammer and a crowbar and campus security showed up and both game police showed up and, oh, it's my car. And they were just fuddled. But yeah, those are fun times because there were those hot little dorms and there was probably like 20 total students and probably I think it was just myself and Rav. Yeah. Derek Ravi were the only right. two guys um, that were able to uh, come on campus early, but I was it was the start of like you said, getting guys on campus early so they could work out, play all that, all that good stuff. Well, and I remember the coaches telling me that uh, again, the history has been documented with you. You know that one point the coaches were thinking, well, maybe we'll ask him to sit out a year before yeah. he even comes. Gray shirt, gray then, shirt, yeah, yeah, for sure. We're you know he's gonna have to red shirt. And uh, I remember the fellas coming back telling the coaches during, you know, after you guys were rat balling and stuff, uh, he's not going to redshirt. He's going to start. Yeah. With a veteran group. I mean, let's face it, you know, you had Corey and, and all those it was guys. six seniors that year. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it was the seniors mm-hmm. that were coming back saying, hey, Adam's going to start. And last time I checked, uh, you started your first game your freshman year in Madison Square Garden and knocked um, down the first shot you ever took. Yep. No, that was a good memory. Uh, that was a wild game, too. That was a good team that year. It was yep. uh, the Jameer Nelson, yep. Delonte West, yep. uh, Pat Carroll team, I think, yep. um, that went undefeated and lost the final four, wasn't it? Uh, or the Elite the, Eight. The Elite Eight. I think yeah. they lost in the Elite Eight. Yeah. They lost to somebody, but it was yeah. obviously oh, a good were, year. They were really, really good. Really um, good. So when did you first start at Gonzaga? Well, my multiple tenures at Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. I actually came to Gonzaga, as you did, as a freshman. It was 1975. Uh, I came and I I walked on. Yeah. And, uh, again, this was 1975. You couldn't dunk. You know, as an example. There weren't, (laughs) there weren't. You know, it wasn't a three-point line. It was only the second year that freshmen were eligible to, to play. play right, to actually play. Varsity. Yeah, to play varsity. And so we still had a JV team. Everybody still had a JV team. You had a JV schedule. You know, we played WSU and UW and Montana and Idaho and all these JV teams. Because everybody still had a JV mm-hmm. team. We only had two freshmen that year that really actually played any minutes on, you know, on the varsity. Yeah. And, uh, but... At the end of that year, I sat down with the coach who at the time was Adrian Bonacristiani, and I just went to his office, sat with him, and said, hey, coach, am I going to get to play? And he said, no. You know, and at the time, it was, that was devastating. You know, I'm 19 years old. Yeah, and absolutely. I, you know, I'm living for basketball at that point, and he says no. And, and, uh, and he told me why. He was very open with it. And it was devastating. But when I look back on it, when I – when I started coaching, when I got into, especially into administration, I realized that was the biggest gift he could have given me. He told yeah. me the truth. Yeah. He told, he is, he, it would have been so much easier for him to just lead me on. Yeah, string, string you along, waste your Cause, time. Yeah, because he did say, hey, you could help us in practice every day. You know, I really want you to be on the team. Mm-hmm. But no, you're not going to get to play. And that allowed me to say, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Go transfer, keep playing, played all four years college basketball. And and then I also learned to tell, once I became athletic director especially, to tell coaches, hey, don't lead kids on. Yeah. Tell them, if you don't think they're going to play, tell them. Yeah. Be up front with it. I think it's the right strategy. Absolutely. And uh, as hard as it is, you know, and I've had the discussion with parents over the years where they'll say, well, you know, your coach said my son or my daughter isn't good enough. And I say, 
Yeah, it's true. That's, it's true at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not. We're not saying your son or daughter isn't good enough to play college athletics. We're not saying they're not good enough to play Division One. Yeah, we're saying they're not good enough to play at Gonzaga. It's an inexact science. We. I was on the staff when I came back to Gonzaga mm-hmm. in 1982. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was on the. The basketball staff, Jay Hillock was a head coach, yep. Bruce Wilson assistant, Joe Hillock assistant. We had a little guard that, you know, ended up being a decent player at the time. <laughs> I just, you know, it, we didn't know how good Johnny was. But, yeah. I, you know, I I don't ever say that I coached John. I always say that I was on the staff. Uh, yeah, was, <laughs> you didn't you didn't provide any uh, yeah. insight on pick and roll no, reads no, or anything no, like that? I'm pretty, pretty confident I just, uh, <laughs> I just was on the staff as far as John was concerned. But... It was interesting between John's junior and senior year, mm-hmm. we're trying to fill John's position. We're trying to say, okay, we got to bring in a freshman Recruit, point yeah. guard yeah. to back John up John's senior year and, you know, and prepare him to take over as a sophomore, which is what they did with Johnny. Johnny came in, you know, with a really good team. It was uh, Don Baldwin was the point guard, first team all league. Okay. Uh, with and that was Ken Anderson's team and Ed Ed Taylor Hugh Hobus it was that team senior late and they started four seniors on that team mm-hmm. Johnny came off the bench and backed up Don Baldwin first team all league well that's kind of what we were looking at because at that point we didn't know how good Johnny was yeah you know and I'm not sure John even knew how good he, didn't, he was he didn't and on, right. on, on our episode that he came on he said he didn't even think he was an NBA player so it's just right. wild oh, to even oh, think no I I've got a great story with that <laughs> that year of him saying something basically to that effect but anyway we bring in Joe was recruiting Southern California Joe brought up this little blonde hair point guard mm-hmm. who you know, Joe was really high on, but nobody else was recruiting him. You know, it was one of those, and that was back in the day where, you know, we ended up recruiting a lot of guys that nobody else was recruiting anyway because we weren't able to yeah. beat anybody on getting guys. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so, but, you know, in those days, guys would gym rat all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe we'd be watching, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> we weren't supposed to in those days, but yeah. we, we would watch a little bit. Yeah. Well, John... You know, as you know, is one of the elite competitors, not just today and not just during his NBA career, but his whole life. Yeah. And so here it is. He knows what we're doing. He knows we're bringing in a point guard to back him up and everything. But John's going to teach him something. And he (laughs) did. He destroyed this guy, just destroyed him. And so Jay goes, he's not good enough. Jay Hillock, our head coach, goes, he's not good enough. And so... At the end of his visit, we bring him into Jay's office. We all sit down with him. And, of course, I'm low man on the totem pole, so I, I'm the one who's going to drive him to the airport. Yeah, you gotta- <laughs> I get to drive him to the airport, but uh, Jay sits him down and just says, hey, sorry, you know, you're just not, you know, you're not good enough. We can't offer you a scholarship. And we're the only t- Division One school recruiting him at this point. Oh. And, uh, I mean, all the way to the airport, he's crying, mm-hmm. you know, all the way to the airport. I just felt so bad for the kid. Steve Kerr. His name, <laughs> Steve Kerr. Okay. So that's a, that is unbelievable. I've never even heard. I didn't even know that was possible. That, that was Steve Kerr. It's so funny because, of course, oh Steve God. Kerr goes on to be one of the most renowned and, and loved players in the history yeah. of the University of Arizona. And then, uh, of course, 
goes into the NBA and wins what five five championships five I think. championships with two different teams and <laughs> you know and still famous with you know playing with Jordan and and then now how coach, many yeah he's yeah. won three championships as a coach Co- yeah, you know yeah. and, well, and I guarantee John's like well respected oh, yeah. in John's eyes as a as an oh, NBA player you know what I mean absolutely absolutely Steve Kerr Steve Kerr and how he gets to Arizona is that was the year that Lute got the job mm-hmm. in Arizona from Iowa and Lute has one scholarship to give. And he's watching some summer league games in L.A. And he sees Steve Kerr playing. And so he starts asking around. He said, Who, who's that guy? And they say, yeah, some kid from, you know, this high school, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and so Luke goes up and talks with him afterwards and says, hey, what's your, you know, what's your story? Where are you going? Where are you going to school? What's, the, what's your plan? He goes, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm going, no, yeah. I don't yeah. have a school. Yeah. And, and Luke says, the wind I got a scholarship. Me. Wow. <laughs> and that's how he got to Arizona. And he was an All-American at Arizona, yeah. obviously, and yeah. one of the all-time greats there. I think his number is retired. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I did not know that Steve Kerr had a Gonzaga connection. That's funny. And so I always <laughs> tell people when people, you know, complain that, well, you may have missed on somebody or mm-hmm. my son's better than what you think. I always tell him, look, it's not an exact science. That's we true. we told Steve Curry wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. Yeah, we told Adam Morrison that you know he was going to have to redshirt. Yes. You know, I mean, it's it, it's craziness. And when John got inducted into the Hall of Fame, a group of us, of course, John, we had a, John had a great crowd there. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I was back there. Of course, everybody that ever coached John or played with John was invited, and. Uh, it was before the ceremony started. Everybody's mingling up and down through the through the auditorium there. And uh, I see Eric Lottenbach from Nike. Mm-hmm. And Eric's talking to Steve Kerr. And then Eric comes down and he starts talking to me. I say, E, do me a favor. Reintroduce me to Steve. <laughs> and so we go up and, and he introduces, you know, reintroduces him. This is Mike Roth, the athletic director from Gunshag. And I said, Steve, I was on the staff when we recruited you. And he's just broke out laughing. <laughs> I was the guy that had to drive you to the, <laughs> to the airport, airport when you were right. in tears. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he just broke out laughing. I Honestly, I appreciate you sharing that because I had no clue that that story even existed, that Steve Kerr had a connection to um, Gonzaga in that fashion. So that just blows my mind. Um, I wanted to get in. When you're talking about parents, how is, much has that changed as an administrator from when you started as an athletic director in 99, right? Was it correct? It's 97. 97, yeah. excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Um, when, how much has that evolved? Uh, you know what I mean? Like how much do parents now have a say? Has it gotten worse, better, indifferent, good or bad? I'm going to get your take on that. I'm old school. Yeah. You know, so when I played, my coach, my parents. Coach never, was always right. Right. And you my parents I mean? never <clears throat> talked to the coach. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they talk with them of, coach, how you doing? Yes. Yeah, but there was nothing else. What time's practice this week? Yeah. You know what yeah I mean? Nothing else. And in. Even when I was coaching, mm-hmm. you know, again, old school enough that that was the case. Yeah. Now, you know, when I first started as AD, there was more parental involvement, but nothing like it is these last number of years. Really? I mean, the the term that college people in student life and universities now, it went from a helicopter parent where <laughs> they're always hovering around and trying to make sure everything's going to be yeah. right for their kid to now they call them 
lawnmower parents. Yeah, plow parent or whatever. Yeah, yep. right. They yep. just they just do everything for them, and uh, you know that's changed significantly. Mm-hmm. But in our case, again, we go back to when you're recruiting the right kid to fit your place, you, not just player, but your family. Recru- you're recruiting family, yeah. right? And you realize that. And they realize that we care about their kid. Yeah. I mean, I usually will meet with the mom and dad. I mean, Chet Holmgren, you know. So mm-hmm. Chet was on campus his before his junior year, during his junior year, when Jalen was on the visit. So his mom and dad and Chet come up and meet with me. And I don't even talk to the kid. You know, there's no reason to talk to the young man or young woman on those visits. Mm-hmm. I'm the athletic director. I'm 100 years old. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. older, older no, than a mom and dad. Yeah, no, I get what you're I, saying. I talk to mom and dad about who we are and what we're trying to do and, and talk to them about those things. And I always ask one question before, before they leave my office. Do I have permission to put these size 13s up your son's backside? <laughs> That's a good way to break the ice a little bit, but uh, no, it's true. Cause then you kind of, you get the, the feel with parents, um, you know, are you okay with them going through hard lessons that are necessary, that are backed by love from the right. university, from the staff, from administration with all those things. Cause I've always wondered, you know, cause my parents were not, my dad was a college coach, so he wasn't the type but he had communication with coach few oh, yeah. and, and Tommy Lloyd, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, I've always wondered like, you know, what is there, has it gotten to the point where you get a phone call or Fuey gets a phone call after a game, like every other game, has it gotten to that point? Not with us. Okay. Again, not with us because of, you know, that family atmosphere, the trust that, that one of the reasons we end up with great players is because their parents trust, yeah. uh, you know, the, this transfer kid from Iowa State, Rashawn or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I met his mom and dad uh, just the other day. Just they were on the visit, so that was I guess maybe Monday or Tuesday. I met yeah. mom and dad, and uh, of course the first thing I have to always get my feet back on the ground is that you know they're <laughs> twenty years younger than I. Yeah, am. I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, but uh, but the other the other thing is you know uh, mom. I had a great conversation with mom and she had done her homework. Mm-hmm. She said, no, I understand you're retired. I read all that. I read this. I read about this. And, you know, and I said in what she was buying into more than anything else was how we treat people. Yeah. And, culture. And, yeah. The culture and how your son, in this case, in men's basketball, isn't just at Gonzaga to make jump shots. He's at Gonzaga to get the whole experience, yeah. life experience, yeah. education, community learning that he can make impact on other people's lives by mm-hmm. doing the right things, saying the right things, smiling, you know, <laughs> taking a picture, getting a picture taken when people want a picture, those types of things. Uh, you know, there's, there's ways. It, and I think parents understand that mm-hmm. they understand that when we have to do something with their kids or, you know, we, when we have to, Sit them down. Set them straight a little bit. Yeah. In a they, nice way. Yeah. yeah they the right way. They understand that. Yeah. And they, they support that. I, heck, we had a young man a few years ago, a number of years ago, I guess now, that was struggling. He, he had some struggles. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we didn't kick him to the curb. You know, we kept him. And he it wasn't a superstar. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an all-league. He wasn't any of that. But what we were able to do was 
help him correct himself. Mm -hmm. And I, when he graduated, uh, his mom brought me a plaque that I keep in my office because she realized, and she knew all through it too, that what we were doing in, in sitting him down mm -hmm. at one point uh, was out of love. Yeah. You know, we could have easily either kicked him to the curb and at that point, his chance of success were probably going to be really, really low. Yeah, of or, course. Or we could have just said, screw it, you know, you will deal with all your crap. You just, you know, keep making jump shots for us. Yeah. Instead, we did the third and the most important piece was, look, you have a chance to be involved here, but you got to change. Mm -hmm. And if you don't change, then you won't be involved. And a little, you know, a little bit of tough love, but still love. Yeah. And ultimately walked across stage, got his degree, ultimately awesome. changed his life. And he, he acknowledges that and mom and dad acknowledge. Oh, that's gotta be one of the, your best, uh, you know, yeah. attributes you know, are the, one of the things that makes you feel the best as you're being an athletic director in your career is watching young men grow, change, knowing you have a positive impact and then they come and recognize it later in life. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, you know, when yeah. your, your parents give you life lessons and you're young, whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you get older, like, holy shit. Right. Right. Thank you. You right. know what I no, mean? Absolutely. So that's got to be so rewarding. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I think about, you know, my sons are, you know, adults. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I thought about this actually driving in because I heard something on the radio as I was driving in. I thought about this that, you know, a lot of people will judge their success as parents if, is if their sons or daughters become successful. Yeah. You know, my son has, you know, become this high-powered this or high or very successful. You'll hear it. You'll mm -hmm. hear it from parents. You know, do you know my son went on to blah, blah, You know, my mm -hmm. son's the head of this or my daughter's the head of that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I've thought about was I want my sons to be good people. people. Yeah, no, that's great. Everything else will take care of itself. But if people come up to me and say... You know, I've worked with your son or I got involved with, you know, both my sons are doctors. Mm -hmm. So I'm crazy privileged <laughs> yeah. in that regard. But good. when I hear from people, you know, Matt is working here in Spokane. When I hear from people that say, hey, I've worked with Matt, he is just the nicest young man. They don't talk about what he did for them. Health-wise. Health-wise. Yeah. What they're talking about is who he is as a person. Oh, that's going to make you feel there's great. Nothing, there's nothing better than that. But as far as impact on people's lives, I got another story for you here. Yeah, yeah I see. Fire it. away. I got it here. <laughs> so this is like three years ago. And I'm run down the hall to, you know, I'm 60-some years old. I got to go down the hall on a regular basis. And, <laughs> and uh, I run down the hall. I come back. Gail, I just took a call for me. Gail's my assistant. She's been with me all these years. Mm -hmm. And she and I are retiring together after 34 years. Oh, that's years cool. Gail was my uh, neighbor uh, right. growing up behind right. it. Yep. Yeah. So Gail's yep. been with Gonzaga 34 years. I've been with Gonzaga 34 years. We're walking out the door together. It's awesome. So anyway, she hands me, you know, we're old school. She hands me this written note. Uh, this guy called you. She, he, she said, do you recognize his name? I said, no. And she goes, well, he said he played for you back in the early 80s. Well, this is when I was coaching at Big Bend and Big Bend Community College. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do not recognize the name at all. And, but he left his number and stuff. So, of course, I call him back. That's what I do. I call everybody back that leaves a number, even mm -hmm. those people that are yelling and screaming at me. <laughs> so I call him back and he, you know, he gets on the phone and he, we start talking. And I cannot connect the dots. Okay? I cannot place him in mm -hmm. any way, shape or form. He tells me 
though that one of the, the reason he was calling me was because he had been recently at his parents' house and had gone through a bunch of old pictures, pictures from that year. It was 1980. Wow. 1980. And he, so I said, did you scan any of those pictures? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I did. I said, well, here, here's my email. Send them to me, right? Yeah. So as we're talking, he sends me some of these pictures. So I'm start going through them. So I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots a little bit. And I, and I see them and I'm going, okay, yeah, I, I wouldn't have remembered his name with the face mm-hmm. by any stretch. So I ultimately in the conversation, I say, you know, what, what triggered you to call? Well, you know, I was with my parents and I, you know, at their place. And I just, I started looking at this stuff and I just realized I needed to call you to tell you the impact you made on my life. Oh, wow. You know, and it was just such a positive thing. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. What? Yeah. And I said, what are you doing? You know, what, 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 what have you, you know, I last saw you in 1980. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like what's going on? <laughs> he went on, he, he went to, went on to central, graduated from central, went on to law school, went on to, at one point was the attorney, attorney general in the state of Oregon. Oh, wow. He's now, he's now, <laughs> uh, the lead, uh, attorney advocate for Latinos in Western United States. Oh, wow. He, he, his mom was from Mexico. His dad was from Scandinavia. So he's a Scandinavian Latino yeah. <laughs> jokes. Yeah. And I'm like, he, he had just given just a month before the call, given the keen, the, the graduates commencement speaker at central Washington university. Oh, wow. So he's really he's, successful. He's a dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I am just blown away. And all he wanted to talk about was the impact that I made on his life. And I couldn't remember him. And so what wow. I, what I learned what from that was that we can impact people's lives by just doing the right thing. Yeah. I can't remember what, if I, what I did, if I did anything different that for him than I did for any other player mm-hmm. that I worked with over all my years as coaching. And yet it made an impact on him. And so he actually gave back to me. An unbelievable blessing. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. It's, 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 it feels so good to have I, that and just, yeah. My feet didn't touch the ground for like a month. Yeah. Because he was telling me that I did this for him. And but I couldn't tell him this, of course, but I didn't treat him any differently than I treated anybody else. Yeah. So what it told me was, wow, I must have done something right. Yeah. And what I've done since then is I've tried to reinforce that with our staff that there's nothing wrong with going out of your way to help somebody. There's nothing wrong. Actually, that's absolutely the right thing to do. The little old lady standing on the street corner, you walk over and help her cross yeah, no, the street. It's good there's, energy. You there, put it out there, it comes back. Right. But at the same time, it's a whole new level when you're just being who you are. Yeah. And it impacts somebody else. And if, if that gift comes back, Someday you find that out as you get older, you get an opportunity. I've had, I had another experience with that also in that same time frame. And what I learned also, though, was I need to make sure I'm doing that, too. Yeah. I, I reached out to a, a guy that. Oh, tell them. Yeah. Give them yeah. that gift of oh, telling them what you've done for me. Yeah, yeah. It was on his 88th birthday. A guy from Moses Lake that it, that got me that the first ever basketball camp I attended in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, he had to teach me that you can't pick the ball up and, and run with it. <laughs> okay. I knew nothing about basketball. You, you got to remember, you know, your dad was a college basketball yeah. coach, played college basketball. My dad's five nothing, okay, <laughs> and never played, you know, organized sport in his life. 
And, uh, and so, you know, my dad sent me to basketball camp because I was tall. Yeah. And, uh, but I had, I literally, they had to keep telling me, no, I got dribble, you dribble, have, dribble, you dribble. have to dribble the ball. You can't just no. walk it over there. And so I sent him a letter. Uh, his name is Ty Ballinger. And I sent him a letter here on his, you know, this past year on his 88th birthday to tell him that, to tell him the impact he made when I was in sixth grade, but I've kept in touch with him all these years. Yeah. And uh, just to make sure he was aware of that. That's cool. And he, he responded like I did to the player and that I didn't, he, he, I thought he knew, you mm -hmm. know, to be quite honest with you, I thought he knew. And he responded back to me, he called me up right away. He said, Mike, I never knew that. I never knew that's how you felt. And that I never knew that I had that impact on you. I said, well, I'm glad I was able to tell you. Yeah. So that's pretty neat that, uh, you know, you get to have those experiences as an administrator and then. Um, that you recognize that you need to give it back to somebody else because it is a special gift when you when somebody tells you that you've hey you've made an impact on me, it just makes you feel so good. Well, you know in, I mean? in 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 your case, I mean, let's face it, how many people have said that to you? I've uh, been lucky enough to you know like type one diabetics oh, and stuff. Oh, for sure, I me, hear it. Yeah, I hear it send all me the letters time. and stuff. Yeah, and say when you give me inspiration when I was playing, and then guys now they're like, hey, my son or daughter. <clears throat> has it and you're the only one in the last 15 20 years at a plane at a high level you know i'll send them emails back yeah. and stuff and what, what's your routine all that stuff so yeah no yeah. it feels good oh, it really we, does and, and we've seen it at gonzaga not only do i hear it from parents and kids that hey adam's my hero because i'm also a type 1 diabetic but we've had recruits come mm -hmm. and play for us we had a Brian Edwards. Yeah. yeah, wow. Well, and and Tiffany Shives yeah. from women's basketball, really good in women's basketball. She came to Gonzaga for one reason. You know, well, she came to Gonzaga to play basketball, yeah. but it it became, you know, the decision of who to, who to come play for was because of Adam Morris because mm -hmm. she is a type 1 diabetic. Yeah. So, you know, the impact that we can make on our fellow man isn't always something that we have to go out and try to do. If it's we're true. just good people and do the right things, sometimes that impact is there. Sometimes we'll never know. And, yeah. and if we're if we're blessed enough at some point in time that somebody reaches out to tell us that we made an impact and we don't know what we did. That's even better. Probably that's then. the greatest level. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I've talked with our staff about these last couple of years of, you know, continuing to do the right things and someday mm -hmm. each of us will have that opportunity where somebody reaches out and i'm sure you've had many opportunities where a parent or a kid says you know when i was eight years old or when i was 12 years mm -hmm. old you influenced my life mm -hmm. because you showed me there's you know that in this in your case you know with diabetes it didn't have to change anything yeah you know yeah i had to deal with that but it, i could be one of the best players in the world mm -hmm. because adam was yeah i appreciate you sharing those stories mike yeah. those are good ones those are good uh no, i feel like it. we should go to the sunday you know get in some nice church stuff right now <laughs> <laughs> i feel like good I, hallelujah yeah, hallelujah amen all the good stuff we'll get the southern baptist involved here yes a bit. absolutely we can start breaking out in choir right quick and <laughs> dancing a little bit even though nobody wants to see me dancing i'm, I'm pretty positive nobody wants to see you oh dance. for Just, sure <laughs> all right can we segue into a little bit more of the kind of administrative stuff um what was it like dealing with the, the COVID year? And I know everybody's talked about it, but just, you know, administratively, uh, behind the scenes, 
Was it a nightmare? Was it frustrating? All of them? Here's the crazy part is it you know that question's been asked a lot oh man this last year had to be really really hard and yeah it was yeah. in a lot of ways but it wasn't to the level that some people thought okay and the here's the reason why is because we at gonzaga have in gonzaga athletics we have so many great people mm -hmm. now i learned a long long time ago that luck comes into play yeah but i also learned a long time ago and it was from dr arnie peterson who you know yes yeah. arn arn told me this was like 2001 maybe 2002 mm -hmm. we were having a post you know postseason celebration and arn comes up to me mike i just can't believe the job you're doing you know, it was giving me a lot of credit and stuff and i said arn i'm just lucky and he goes mike i know you are you are lucky, but let's remember the definition of luck. It's when preparation meets yeah, opportunity. That's true. And that's stayed with luck. me ever since. And so, yeah, there's been situations where we, like NIL coming up, which we'll talk about, mm -hmm. we're prepared. And we're going to end up looking like we're lucky of how we deal with it. But You're it's because we're, yeah. we're ready to go. Well, nobody's ready to go for COVID. No. Nobody could say they were prepared for COVID in any way, shape, or form. No. But what the what got us through covid and made it work is we had all the right people in place mm -hmm. and we had tremendous level of trust with each other so that as we were working through what do we do next how do we handle this it was ongoing discussions and it you know to in some of those were discussions over i think we should do this and somebody else saying no i think we should do x and we're they're saying no i think we should do y and me saying i think we should do z and, and, yeah. it, and we had you know uh, i i you know give him credit here bill bill drake is our associate ad for health and wellness mm -hmm. Longtime trainer, you know, down at WSU, we brought him up here to help run our health and wellness area. He's doing a fantastic job. Well, here COVID hits. We get back from the West Coast Conference Tournament. We just won the West Coast Conference Tournament again. And we <laughs> and and we're gonna be a number one seed. Yep. And depending upon what happens throughout the the you know postseason tournaments, we're gonna we could be the number one overall seed and we're gonna be the favorite going into the NCAA. Tournament. We're playing great. Tilly's healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, Spokane's going to be a site site, all those things. I mean, yeah. the cards come together and boom, we get back and it hits it literally. I mean, the team landed and it was no fans. And then 24 hours later, it was no tournament. Yeah. And I, you know, Bill comes and says, OK, we got to shut everything down. I said, no, we're not shutting everything down. We need to let our guys need to work out. Mm -hmm. We need to let our, you know, they can come in the gym and work out. Well, he disagreed. He said, no, they should, we shouldn't do that, Mike. There's too much risk. This thing's going. Let's not do it. And I said, no, Bill, we're going to leave the gym open. I'm an old basketball guy. <laughs> our guys are going to be able to come in and work out. Well, that lasted about five days. And then, of course, it got worse. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and we had to shut everything down. Yeah. And I went to Bill and I said, you were right. You know, and, and see, that's the strength that we have within Gonzaga Athletics is that my peers and our, and our staff, our senior staff, they know their job is to disagree with me at yeah. times, to not just yes, nod, man, and yeah, yeah, no, I don't need that. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and then I have to be humble enough, I guess, or I have to be 
confident enough that I can go up to them and not only listen mm-hmm. when they disagree, but when they're right and I'm wrong, yeah. I need to tell them. Tell them, exactly, so they have the confidence to do it again. <clears throat> absolutely, and that's what I did with Bill. I said, you were right, I was wrong, and we survived it. It didn't get any worse, yeah. but it could have been. I apologize. And I said, hey, keep coming with that stuff. But that's just an example of how we got you know, through those first number of months was <clears throat> the communication. Yeah. And then it was just, let's figure it out. And we felt throughout the process that, you know, we were, you know, we were ahead of the game yeah. a lot of times. We had really good communication. Molly Gilbert, our team doctor, yeah. had really good relationships with the spokes, folks at Spokane Regional Health. Uh, personal relationships so allowed you know not just professional conversations but yeah. we, we were maybe learning things ahead of the game the, a little yeah, bit yeah given yes we you know educating everybody uh you know listening of course because everybody had an opinion you know, mm-hmm. we had different people that said you should do this and different people said you should do that and of course you have passionate coaches and you know in Fuey's case Rightfully so. He knew how good we were. Yeah. We all knew how good we were, for gosh sakes. You know, and the last thing we wanted is to not be Cancel able to play. Season, I know. Right. I so we that. had to continue to figure it out. How are we going to make sure we get to play? And, uh, you know, we, yeah, we sat out for those two weeks mm-hmm. because we ended up popping a bunch of positives. But at the same time, that actually actually it, worked. It helped because you guys got, it through, got through it early and yeah. then it didn't have to happen later in the season. Right. I've always wondered this question, and you probably know the answer. Maybe you don't, but like, who paid for all that testing? I mean, what was the bill like for the oh school? My or gosh, I mean, it's got to be millions, uh, millions, millions. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah, millions. Because yeah. we were getting tested. <laughs> yeah, it was like every day. Every day. Well, leading for fifteen lead, guys, twenty guys, counting 34. the thirty-four. Okay, at one 34. Point, leading up to the NCAA tournament, we had 34 people getting tested wow. every day just in men's basketball. Wow. And then women's. 34 on women's basketball. Yeah. And then you throw in baseball and soccer and all these. It's, we were able to wow. reduce that that cost after a little, you know. So early on, it was really expensive yeah, because you were doing it, the full PCR test. And, yeah. All yes. the way up to the brain. Yep. That whole nightmare. <clears throat> yep. And then, they were able, then we were able to do the... Rapids and so, all that right. stuff. And, and yeah. so the price went down, but it was still expensive. And we were able to do it ourselves mm-hmm. at that point. We trained our staff and, and did that. But then leading into the NCAA tournament, for both men and women, it was a PCR test. Yeah, Again, yeah you had a PCR. Yeah. We had a PCR for 14 straight days before we ever left for Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. The, the cost of those tests were crazy ridiculous. So millions for the university. Yep. Because the university also was then testing other students, not just student athletes. Yeah. Our student athletes were, you know, a primary focus, but we were randomly testing students on a regular basis on campus, asking them to come in. There was no requirement. Yeah. But then anybody that had any symptoms yeah, automatic, automatically got tested. Then, you know, if you did, if you were exposed or you tested positive, then we had to do quarantines and isolations and well, that costs money. You can't just stick them out on the street yeah. and say, uh, you know, go home. You can't, you can't, if a kid had to fly to go home, you couldn't put them on an airplane. Yeah. So, you know, we had to pay for all those. Things. So institutionally it ended up being, you know, seven figures. Uh, you know, it, it's, 
was expensive, uh, but it's the cost of doing business, and everybody incurred those same expenses around the country. Uh, yeah, you know Gonzaga, you know our staff internally, and then also institutionally did a great job of managing mm-hmm. the financial side of that, and it didn't destroy us. Yeah, uh, it did. It didn't. It didn't. You know, did we take a hit? Absolutely, but it didn't destroy the 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 budget institutionally and, mm-hmm. and we continue to have benefactors step up to help us. You know, that's the thing. The people think that just because they couldn't come to games, people didn't give. It was just the opposite. Gonzaga fans are so great that we had people give more than they normally would during a basketball to year to help us get through yeah. it. Cause they knew that we needed help to get through it. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough about what our fans have done. So do you think over the years, you know, talking about giving, do you think that's one of the the major unheard things, I guess, unless you're involved with the university or program, is your guys' ability to fundraise over the last 20 years? It's got to be, right? Oh, yeah. And I've told people that, and they kind of look and they don't realize, like, Gonzaga doesn't get any state money, or they get very Not, little. Right. We don't get state federal money that, that that would ever come to athletics. Exactly. And we don't uh you know our alumni base isn't huge. No. By you know compared to state schools yeah. in that. Uh and it's interesting because even our peers sometimes peer institutions, you know other Jesuit schools or private schools will mm. will say, you know, so the the Volkers, you you the Volker Center, so they're alums? Uh no. Their kids are alums. No. You know, uh, what about the Wolves? You know, or or what about the Stevens? Or what about, you know, McCarthy's mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And, you know, they, they realize, they, they learn from us that if we just depended on just our alumni base. It wouldn't, wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. We have to no. expand that. But it's, it's an interesting thing, though, too, because at least my opinion here, you know, Everybody gets their opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, you know, people talk all the time about, well, which comes first? You know, is it chicken egg thing? Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, it's I, a lot of what we've done athletically at Gonzaga over these twenty some years, and the success we have is not chicken and egg. You don't have to figure out which one comes first. It's a horse pulling that cart. Yeah, and that horse is winning. That's a good you know, point. People. People look and they say, well, you know, this happened. You went in 99, you go to the Elite Eight, and so the university started pouring money in. No. 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 Not even close. They, yeah, not even, our budget did not change. Yeah, no. Our, you know, summer of 98, we actually took a budget hit. We actually had our budget reduced in the summer of 98. Mm-hmm. 99, we didn't get any increases, you know, in the summer of 99. Yeah. We had to generate that. And we found ways to generate that, but it was all tied to winning. Yeah, you can't expect. I mean, we were able to build a new building. Okay, you were heavily involved in that, mm-hmm. not in, not directly fundraising or asking people to build a building. You made jump shots. Yeah, you know, you stood on the scores table after winning a league championship in there, and and the place was going nuts. Mm-hmm. That helped, that's what built the building, but it built the building because people said, I want to be part of that. Yeah. I want to be part of, of the Adam Morrison, you know, 
Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Gonzaga <laughs> during, experience. During, during your during your junior year, yeah. the 2006, that was the crazy. But, you know, and, and that's one of the things we point out to people is what we do, mm-hmm. we compete on a national level. We are the top, we're the number Which one team is, in the country, number one team in the country again this year. Which is crazy. It I just got to throw this in there that, that it's all fundraised. Right. Like to build the practice facility, what was that building cost? 30 to 50? Yeah. Okay. To raise that from zero is insanity. I don't think people realize how hard that is to do and how generous people really have to be. And it, it speaks to the culture. And I've talked about this on, on other other podcasts of this is why we're getting the recruits now. It's the winning, but it's the culture. We don't have a football stadium. We don't have those type of experience. But they come here like, oh, my God, the people like yourself, Coach Few, you know what I mean? The players, former players, everybody's a good person. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, hey, man, we, we wrap our arms around you. But the athletic giving side, I, I want to give the listeners kind of an idea of like how difficult that is to continually to do it from where you guys started in 99. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's insane. It's it's mind boggling. It if, is. If you go back and look at the first year I took over as AD, what our total revenues were with season tickets and sponsorships mm-hmm. and everything else involved. Yeah. $250,000. <laughs> $250,000. Can you even buy an ad space now for that? No, you know what yeah, I mean? right. Yeah. Not even close. Not even close. And <laughs> But winning drives that, and then but winning the right way with the right type of you know young men, young women, yeah. coaches, et cetera. Yeah. What our benefactors find is that they want to be a part of it, not just because of the winning, though. Helps. It, Obviously, it drives it. Let's yeah. say you, you can do all this other stuff. You can graduate everybody, and everybody can be a good citizen. Point. Everything else, but if you don't win, doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. Yeah, it's true. You got to do the. You got to win. Mm-hmm. But you win with turds. Not so much fun. It's true. And I remember actually, you were playing. Uh, we were in Salt Lake, and uh, you know who did we play that year in Salt Lake? In the NCAA tournament. Yeah, the NCAA Xavier tournament. and Z- yeah. Indiana. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, <clears throat> One of the other teams that was there, I won't mention the name of the team, mm-hmm. but they, their fellows got, you know, we, they played the game before us. They come out and, and their fellows were hanging around in the tunnel that I was hanging around in, mm-hmm. you know, in that building, there weren't any decent tunnels, but in the same space that I was hanging around in during our game and the interactions that were going on with, between the team, then with the security from the building, it was ugly. It wow. was ugly. And that's where I realized how lucky we are at Gonzaga that we play with great young men and young women that represent us 24-7. Yeah. And you won't survive at Gonzaga as a player if no, you don't. And, and those guys were just the biggest turds in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how do you put up with that? Yeah. Why, would you, why would you put up with that? And what moves the needle for us, we have found, is not just the winning, mm-hmm. but the type of player that we win with, that they get to interact. You've had Corey on, you've had Nigel on yourself, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that that move the needle. And then the the real key to it that, that we take great pride in, that I personally take unbelievable pride in, is that we have proven to college athletics that you don't have to sacrifice. Hmm. Fuey has been our head men's basketball coach for 22 graduating classes. Mm-hmm. So he's had 22 teams that had seniors on those teams. Oh, yeah. He's only had one player 
not graduate that wore the uniform as a senior. Oh, wow. Only one. And we're the number one ranked team in the country. Yes. And we've been. And we were. That doesn't happen. No. That doesn't happen anywhere. No. And that moves the needle tremendously when you explain that to people. And when people found out, find out that Adam Morrison came back from his NBA career, mm-hmm. retires after playing in the NBA all those years, rings on his fingers, everything else, and says, Mike, I want to come back and, and finish my degree. That was one of the coolest things that you that university you guys have done for me was yeah. allow me to do that. Yeah. Honestly, give me a lot of self pride. Now self- I need to tell your listeners here a okay. little story on that. All right. Okay. So <laughs> Adam, you know, people don't always realize how smart Adam Morrison is. Okay, and always has been. Uh, and Thank you. and so and yet his first three years at Gonzaga, Adam wasn't an academic All-American because he didn't care enough to be an academic All-American. I mean, cut to the chase. You, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you, weren't, you weren't flunking out by any stretch no. of the imagination, but you weren't a four-point student no. because it wasn't that important to you. No. Guess what? You're looking at a guy that did the same thing. Yeah. Only I was, you know, couldn't carry your shoes when I was playing. <laughs> but the, again, I... I didn't realize till my senior year, geez, you know, Mike, you could actually get a decent GPA yeah, if you yeah. actually worked at it you know, <laughs> instead of just going in and getting jump shots up. Yeah. But anyway, so Adam comes back and he is, uh, he's take, he, and he decides, okay, look, I need like 36 was, credits. It was 18, it was 18 yeah. per semester and a yeah. full uh, summer load, both, both sides. Yep. And it was in, so, you know, eight, so your listeners know 18 credits is an overload. Mm-hmm. You, you know, 16, 15, 16 is normal, maybe. In some, a lot of our players, we run them somewhere in the 12 to 12, 14 yeah. range because we can run it through the summer. So Adam's taken an overload. We had to get, you know, you have to get a signature from the folks over in the academic side to take that many credits. And uh, so I, you know, I always pay a little bit of attention what our student athletes or in this case, former student athletes are doing academically. So I went up at the semest- it's semester and checked on Adam's academic progress, what was going on there, just to see. So I run into Adam in the hallway after I find this out. I said, Adam, how'd it go this semester? He said, oh, you know, I I got by. I did okay, I got by. (laughs) I started laughing. Yeah, you got by, 389. Yeah. 389, you got by. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's to let your listeners know that academically you took a monster load and kicked ass with it. Excuse my language. No, that's fine. And and made you know again reinforce what I had believed all, and I knew I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Believe, I knew all along that you're one of the smartest guys we've ever had. No, I appreciate in, that in that regard. And and uh, you know you just decided prior to that that you're you're channeling that towards basketball yeah. and rightfully freaking so. Yeah. I mean, last time I checked, you were the third pick in the draft. Yeah, no, it was it was being able to come back really did help. Uh, just you know, being a father, proving to my kids like, hey, you can finish your school. You know that that, that yeah. lesson was is is taught in my household, but now it's like, hey, I did it. So then it's not a practice what you preach type situation. And then just um, you know, being able to grad assistant that year and you know, it gave me a, a sense of purpose and grind again. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, I got something I want to achieve. But it was a tough year because the year before, the the year before I left, I didn't finish the second half of my junior. So then I was behind a a year and a half plus. Right. 
So I remember doing uh, my lab my senior year, or yeah, in the summer, and I would have to go to my professor's lake house on Coeur d'Alene and get in a kayak and go pick like water flowers with her and then define them. <laughs> and I'm showing up, I'm, you know, I driving a Range Rover and showing up and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? But gotta get this degree, man. Just gotta get this degree. But it was always cool. Like I said it on the Jersey thing. Uh, it's like so cool that you guys let me do that. Yeah. Go back. Cause some universities, I'll see you later, man, or whatever, or pay for it, you know? And you guys just, uh, come on back and finish. No, it's a deal we made. Yeah. Right? I mean, we told you, we tell everybody. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's what we tell every, what I tell every parent is if your son leaves early for the NBA, we want them to finish their degree still. Yeah. You know, and we've, right now, we've got, I think, four guys right now that are working on their master's degrees to finish their master's degrees because we told them we would do that. Yeah. You know, That's awesome. We, we, in, in, Again, that's ultimately Gonzaga is an educational institution, mm-hmm. you know, and so I tell, you know, there's things that can never be taken away from you. It's the it's, education can never be taken away from true. your college experience overall. In this case, college basketball experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've been a great spokesman for that over the years of how how special that college basketball experience is beyond you know, your years in the NBA and in all Mm -hmm. those things that that college basketball experience is crazy special. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're there one year or you're there four years or some, some of our guys, you know, I ran into Perk yesterday, you know, and, you know, Perk was there for five years, Mm -hmm. you know, because he got his job broken and, and, but, you know, he also ends up being the, you know, the winningest player in, college basketball history. (laughs) Think about that. That's crazy. And you know who the number two winningest player in college basketball history is? Shimmick Karnaski. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It's just mind boggling. It is. The stuff that Gonzaga's done, one of my favorite stats from men's basketball goes back to the academic piece. And so in the last 20 years in college basketball, and this, we got one more year to to keep it in 20, then I'll have to add a year to it. (laughs) But we've, there's been six guys in men's college, Division One men's college basketball, that in the same year were named first team All American, best five player in the country, mm-hmm. like yourself, mm-hmm. and at the same time though, first team academic All American. Oh wow! It's only happened six times in the last twenty years where somebody's been able to double up on that. DJ Augustine mm-hmm. played with him. Yep, Texas. Mm-hmm. He was one. Amika Okafort from UConn played with him too. Yep, yep. he was another one. Well. Some of these other guys you're going to recognize too. Dan Dickow, yeah. first team All American, first team Academic All American. Kelly Olinick, first team All American, yeah. first team Academic All American. And to put that one into perspective for people, again, he left with a year of eligibility. He graduated from Gonzaga three and a half years oh, ago wow. with a degree in accounting. Wow. One of the toughest ones. Next one, Nigel Williams Goss. Yeah. First team All American, first team academic All American, graduated in three years with a degree in psychology no. and worked on his master's degree, still had a year of eligibility left. Last one, Corey Kispert. You had him on. No. You know, Corey, not only, and Corey takes it to a whole new level. <clears throat> Corey, first team All American, first team academic All American. He was named the academic All American of the year, though. The number one oh, academic wow. All American. I didn't even know that. Yeah. 
So Corey, him. just like he did throughout this year, playing on the, you know, the best player on the number one team in the country all year, mm -hmm. he took that to a whole new level for us. But there's been six guys, four of them came from Gonzaga. That's incredible. I mean, none just, of them from Duke. Yeah. You know, none of them from Kentucky, none of them from Kansas, none of them from Stanford or Notre Dame or it, high academic yeah, or high basketball. Yeah. Nobody else other than, you know, your former teammates and Augustine and, and Oak Ford, Ford yeah. you know, uh, it's kind of mind boggling. It you is. Think about it when you put that perspective in. And that doesn't mean that everybody on our, you know, on our team is going to be an academic All-American. Far from it, you know. But if you wear that uniform your senior year, you're going to graduate. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to graduate without wearing it your senior yeah. year, whether you're Brand Brandon Clark, graduate, mm -hmm. still had a year of eligibility. You know, I already listed Kelly and, and Nigel, Joel, already graduated. You know, yeah. there there's plenty of examples of guys that have graduated with a year of eligibility left and uh, and went on to play professionally. Mm -hmm. And or, you know, that 2017 team, we had three three guys working on their master's degrees starting on that team. Wow. These three starters were all already graduated and were working on their master's on that team. Just goes to show like the, the level of, you know, um, importance that the university puts on it. But like the, the, it goes back to that earlier in the conversation when we started was type of kids you bring in. Right. Is if you don't bring, if you bring in knuckleheads, shit ain't going to happen. No, not and, a million years. And what, and the other thing is the culture. It's what, you know, it's what you, you know, like you said, you came in as a freshman. There were six seniors mm -hmm. on that team. Yeah. We, we, in different leadership styles. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's face it. <laughs> you had a couple guys on that team that took quiet to a whole new level. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But that's, that just didn't mean they were vocal. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean they weren't great leaders, but they showed you. And then you showed others, you know, they showed you and, and Rav how, how you're going to be as a Gonzaga player. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's what Corey and Joel did this year yeah. with this year's team. And that's what, you know, Drew and Andrew and, and the guys are going to do with, you know, this year's team. And it's people ask, well, how do you get this done? Well, we get it done because we bring in great kids, but we also keep great kids yeah. who then say, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. This is how we are. You know, I, I remember Kevin Pangos made an impact on, on the team his years at Gonzaga because he wanted to be more involved campus-wise than we'd had some players in the past. He wanted to be involved. He wanted to do stuff with SAC and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't hurt that he, you know, his eventual wife was a women's soccer player. So he wanted to be involved with, <laughs> you know, with you know, other teams and that. Well, then as a leader of his team, then they all wanted to do those types of things. And so it, it's just been, it's been a phenomenal study of college athletics yeah. when, at a time when college athletics has gotten a really bad look. You're paying coaches millions of dollars and now, you know, now players are going to, as a midnight, players are going to start to get some money. But, yeah. you know, at the same time, you know, players aren't getting even, they can't even eat. They don't have enough food, which isn't it's, true. It isn't, isn't true. true. <laughs> it isn't true. true. But, uh, oh man, you wouldn't believe how much food we didn't eat in Indianapolis. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, do those kids go to class? You know, are they really there to get an education? All those uh -huh. types of things. Well, we're proven 
we've have proven we're continuing to prove you can do both you can be the best basketball team in the country and your seniors are going to graduate yeah. and your guys go to class and they're going to be good people and good citizens and and when the microphone comes up in the in the front of them you know we watched it this year with this team i mean let's face it other than you know adam morrison and the rolling stones here probably the most you know coverage coverage yeah. the the most yeah. concentrated daily coverage and it didn't matter who the microphone was put in joel Corey, of course is superstar Perfect. with it yeah but you know jalen here's a freshman Okay. And every time the microphone got put in his face, what did he talk about? His teammates, you know, coaching, you know, thanking, yeah. you know, appreciative. It wasn't, he, he didn't say I and me and all these types of things. Uh, and it showed it on the court too, yeah. because you, you know, you didn't see guys trying to get theirs. You know, how many times during the season did, did Joel have a, you know, where he could have gotten right to the rim and laid it in. Instead, he throws it up off the glass. Yeah. <laughs> throws it up off the glass for for Jalen to come in and throw it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just what people do. It's not just this year's team. I mean, I remember, uh, oh, what was our young man transfer from um, North Dakota? Oh, uh, Woolridge? Yeah. No, no, not Woolridge. Uh, it was the year before. Uh, gosh, dang it. Anyway, it was, God, I can see his face too. Mm -hmm. The fan, everybody listening will be, Mike, here's, here's who it is. Huh? Hey, I'm old. I can't remember this stuff. But he, and he could get up. I mm -hmm. mean, and warm ups, it was a show. Mm -hmm. you know? So he gets a breakaway. Yeah, well, it wasn't Woolridge. What no, am I thinking? Yeah. Woolridge was somewhere in Texas, South, yeah, yeah. whatever the Texas. Yeah. yeah well, it's uh, Crandall. Yes, Gino. 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 Ah, okay, yes. So Gino is a great player. Gino, great player, great athlete. Yeah. Gino gets a breakaway, steal on the side, nobody, you know, clear lane, he's going to go in. And I literally step out of my normal tunnel spot. Mm -hmm. You know, I take a couple steps out so I get a full view because this is going to be a show. This is going to be 360, you know, mm -hmm. looking down into the rim, something. And he goes off the glass to Rui so Rui could throw it down. And they asked him afterwards, Jim Meehan, who we, you and I were just talking to a little while ago, asked him after post-game, Why? He goes, no, it's Rui's birthday. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it was Rui's birthday. You know, he could have put on a show for mm -hmm. everybody. Instead, he goes off the glass for Rui because it's Rui's birthday. But that's yeah. what Gonzaga does. Yeah. You know, that's what makes Gonzaga special. That's why in 2017, we're down there in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And you and your peers mm -hmm. all get together. And we have that big party. Yeah. And then you guys go and meet with our team. And do the little video thing. It was awesome. That's unbelievable. Un unbelievable. It was unbelievable. The, uh, that's so cool. Mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And what did you hear from our guys and our coaches? Thank you. Exactly. And it was like, thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get the bigger picture, but I was like, shit, you guys are taking this to a different level. Right. You but, know what I mean? But, but yeah. Would, would we have been able to do that without we know your, that. your team in 2006 or, or, you know, mm -hmm. and again, I go back, Kelly, you know, yeah, yeah, Kelly's team, Blake, yeah. you know, Blake steps teams, um, you know, Dan's team, Dan's so, team, all those you know guys, I mean? you know, and, and that's how I, that's how I always do our years. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I can't tell you, I, but I can tell you who the seniors, yeah. you know, it the was, guys. yeah, it, whether it was Richie and Matt and those guys, mm -hmm. or it was, you know, Corey, you know, or Casey's team or, or Dan's team, your team, then Ravio's team, mm -hmm. you know, 
Kevin Payne goes, it does, you know, it, you know, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. That's how I always correlate our, <laughs> you know, our men's teams over the years. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't do the years. Um, I want to get one thought real quick from you about name image likeness. You talked about it this Thursday today. It's going to be a week. Show comes out a week later, but it's now legalized. What is your thoughts on it? Because I've had this discussion with people and they are, I get the optics of, you talked about earlier, like, you know, the kids don't have anything. And I, it was hard for me to rub two nickels together at school. So I understand that. But I also know that I wasn't like completely broke or starving. Okay. So then I'm always like, ah, that narrative is kind of BS. And then I'm also like, all right, let's, this, I'm not trying to be narcissistic, but few, brought this up to me and he made a very good point. He's like, when you're talking about like making real, real money for the university, there's only select few guys that can do it. Star quarterback, star wide receiver, player like myself, my junior year where I was moving a lot. They think that the, the average, like just the guy from, you know, Minnesota state or whatever, is going to now be eligible to get a hundred thousand. But so I, my question is like, are they going to be mad when these kids are going to be getting like 200 bucks just to come like sign autographs is like that's okay with me but like there's only a select few of guys who really and gals who really move the needle and make money for a university and then going into gonzaga situation okay we talked about the athletic giving now if you're uh no live brewery yeah, well, you're Booster X. Right. Okay, you've been writing a check to the program for years because right. you like the experiences. Now you say, you know what? I'm just going to every year, I'm going to write a check and, and sponsor one of the kids right. because he's going to be in the NBA. Right. And it's not going to go to the whole team. Right. So is that is that really fair to the rest of the universe? So, like, I want to get your take as an administrator. Like, what do you think about the whole process? Yeah. So, you know, start from the beginning and work my way through as okay. best I can here. It's needed to happen. First off, it's needed to happen. I think you so know, too. The, the it's whole, the how for me. Sorry to right, tell you, right. it's the how. No, no absolutely. You because know. you can't justify anymore paying coaches millions of dollars. By the way, athletic directors don't get that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, don't, you but you can't. You, you keep the mob away from you. It's yeah, at arm's length the best <laughs> exactly. you can. Exactly. Smart. But the you know you can't pay coaches millions of dollars and then have the narrative out there which isn't you know I went to bed I went to bed hungry ah, you know that does, not, not, that's not true but they're also not able to you know you weren't able to to monetize no. your fame no. during that year no but and, and I, that year was but but to me I always say uh, I it got if we want to go into the the monetizing part. Well, it got paid back with the going back to school. Yeah. Besides that, I walked out of a university with zero debt. Right. Do you know what that is like to the average American student? They would, you know, cut their arm off to be able to do that. So I'm always right. like, wait a second. When he's talking about it, you got screwed out of money. It's like you walked out with zero debt. Like right. I have friends that are still paying off student oh, loan debts. And they're, sure. I'm 36 and they're my age. Right. So it's no. like. It's not as bad as you think. So right. anyway, sorry. Yeah, and and I agree with that, and that's been the model, of course. Yeah. But now with the money getting so big, yes. from a from a coaching TV, standpoint, yeah. time and the TV, everything else, mm-hmm. you know, the court of public opinion just wasn't going to accept 
that players are true amateurs and don't can't monetize their name, image, and likeness. I, I, I think that the way what it started to, to spin was in a good way is when guys would get a year for you know signing some autographs for a free tattoo. That's when it's like, uh, I remember yeah. Rick Majerus right. got in trouble for getting Keith Van Horner pizza when his dad died. Right. Yeah. And you're sitting there going like, who no. cares, especially when it comes to food. Yeah. Well, and the the, you you know, know I mean? the football guys from Ohio State that sold you their know, stuff. sold yeah. some of their stuff. Like, like yeah, yeah, who cares? Yeah. The, and again, it goes back to well, the chemistry guy could have done that. Yeah, you know, the, it's true. The, the the school of business grad, you know, uh, major could have done that. So, you know, to me the only the only thing as far as the going forward with with this is to make sure that we don't professionalize college that, athletics that's that's the worry because for that, me right because i don't think that college athletics can survive the professionalization of it mm-hmm. but that's where right now with what's what's been passed yesterday or you know now when we're recording or when we're recording this mm-hmm. it was yesterday but last mm-hmm. week was uh very clear it, you know can't be pay for play you're not, you're not, you cannot receive anything for, well, you made the winning jump shot tonight. So here's, yeah. here's some money. Yeah. Uh, can't be pay for play. can't be part of recruiting. And if, if we're able to control that, then I think it's going to work. I think it should yeah. work. It, you know, I, I, you know, people, we started talking about this a couple of years ago, of course, and people were citing Zion Williams you mm-hmm. know, all the time while well, he could be doing this. Zion's money would have been pennies compared to Ruth's. You, th- you think about what Rui would have been able Such to do? Such a good point. Really good point. Internationally? Yeah. In Japan? He would have made, I mean, the, the endorsements. Like, when he was coming out, it was like, that's the guy that is going to make a ton of money off the court. Absolutely. You know, yeah. as, aside from being a fantastic player, and had a, he's had two great years. Right. And he's going to get a, a second contract, probably a third. But it's like, you have... A country that's just falling in love with basketball and you're the only guy yep and yep. you're fun to watch like you're, you're athletic and blah 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 good and looking and you know what i mean person. yeah and you're nice and you're nice you, you speak all- english it helps you know what i mean oh, yeah. so you, you bridge both gaps it's like oh he's gonna make a shit ton of money oh absolutely yeah and so and rightfully so yes and so right now what you know what our what i believe is going to happen is that you know every student athlete will have that opportunity now, this is America. What's one of the? There's a lot of great things about America. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, <laughs> more than any other country, of course, we yes. have great things. And one of them is free enterprise. You know, capitalism. capitalism. Yep. Absolutely, Milton and, Friedman. Yes, thank you. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And so, if one of our players, because of their notoriety or whatever else, mm-hmm. makes more than the guy sitting next to him in the locker room, guess what? That's the way it that's, is. Yeah, welcome to the that's, real world. That's the real world. Yeah. And there, that's, you played all those years in the NBA, mm-hmm. and probably nobody in the room got paid the same as the guy sitting next to him in the no. locker room. And no. sometimes you were wondering why somebody was getting paid more than somebody else. Yeah. But that's, again, part of the system. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to watch because you would think automatically that the, you know, the starting point guard at Kansas or the, you know, the 
the big man at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. you know, the Drew Timmies or the Chet Holmgrens or, you know, or the star quarterbacks, you know, at, at uh, Alabama's are going to make tons of money more than anybody else. And they probably will. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is there's opportunities that now, kid, you know, kids, student athletes can monetize through name image like this. It might not have that much to do with their sport. You know, they might social media. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe they're maybe it, they've got their own podcast. Yes, well, that's you know? the thing is like some of these kids have you know hundred thousand plus up to a million users so, or followers, followers, and it's like you could be just half good at whatever you're doing on the sport. You can be middle of the road. Hey, I, I got a million eyeballs on my page. Right. And, and for, you know, it's easy to sell ads. Right. I could do it right now. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. And some people say, well, you know, women's, women's athletics isn't going to be able to be, it won't be fair. It won't be gender equitable, but I thought it will be because I thought that too. You explain yeah, it to me. How, yeah. why? Well, well Again, why do advertisers use women in their advertising? Yeah, I give it your sign. So no, I it's it's going to be the same thing from social media standpoint. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't I, know, I, doesn't matter. My thought came from that is like I said, if you're a booster, normally you say, okay, I like university um, sports in general, but I, I prefer the basketball team. But when I write this check, it's going to the athletic department. So the women's field hockey team, who those girls um, work just as hard, put in as much time, all the stuff, same as uh, the other athletes. Now they're not getting a check. That's what that's what always right. Well, that's it, what always concerned me when this first started. Right, and so the way it's going to run, though, that won't be a factor. Okay, because. The money does not come from the athletic department to the student athlete. Okay. The student athlete gets their money direct from whoever okay. the sponsors, the the social media sites. I'd love to be. A, I'd love to be a tax guy in these situations. Oh these kids God. are going to have no clue. No, and I, I wouldn't oh yeah. know at this age either. But yeah. and that's one of the big things <laughs> like, with us. Well, you got to pay taxes. There Our on that. full focus right now because we can't. The way the the rule was passed is we cannot facilitate. It for the student athletes, we can't go out and, and go get, get deals. Go get deals for them. They have to go get their own deals. That's they can hire agents to do that, but they can't. The school can't. So you can do hire it. like just marketing agents, basically. Yep. Wow. Yeah, you can hire wow. agents, agents, and to cut deals and everything else for them, which is fine. We need the institution will need to be notified. You know, we need to have full disclosure of what's going, what's on. going on. And then there's you know. We, we have it the way it's written right now, and I don't think this is going to change, is that, yeah, one of our players could cut a deal with Adidas, mm-hmm. but they can't wear Adidas when they're doing yeah. team stuff. Yeah. So when they're at practice, games, that kind of stuff, they got to wear our Nike. When they're hanging out in the dorms, if they want to wear Adidas, sure, they can do that yeah. uh, because that's their deal. But when they're... Where, yeah, when they're wearing Gonzaga stuff, it has to have the swoosh on it. So you know, I think there's a lot of, of ways that it's going to really work uh, effectively mm-hmm. in that regard. The fact that Gonzaga, we're not going to take checks and then and then give them to kids mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. We can't. Uh, and what what that does is that allows that student athlete to say, "Hey, if I want to." monetize my name image and likeness 
it's up to me. Yeah. And we're going to help educate them with that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're working with Ken in the School of Business, uh, Dean, Dean Anderson, Ken Anderson, mm-hmm. our, our men's basketball alum of the School of Business. We're working with him and his staff over there to put together education processes for all of our student athletes so they can learn things, uh, you know, especially those that aren't going to go out and yeah. sign with an agency or anything else to help them with these things. And, you know, the, dile- the there are some dilemmas. There are some things that we're worried about. Yeah, what, sure. what's your worries well, as an administrator? The, uh, you know, the biggest worry is there's only so much money yes. to go around. It doesn't matter what the business is or where you're at or anything. There's only so much money to go around. So if you're a sponsor, so again, we're sitting here in, in No Lie. Mm-hmm. And so you're No Lie Brew House and you have in the past been a... You know, been a, a, a sponsor at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. You've been part of the Gonzaga sponsorship, so you give us X amount of dollars every year, and you get the right then to use our mark. And there's other things that yeah, we, you yeah. know, we. It's a mutual. It's a business decision. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's. This isn't benefaction. This is a business decision. Well, now you're going to have to make a decision because you use your your advertising dollars usually to do that. So you're spending X of your advertising dollars to do that. And for some businesses, it's all of theirs. They jump on the Gonzaga bandwagon because it's a pretty good bandwagon to jump on. Yeah, and they a spend, good brand. Yeah, and they spend <laughs> all their advertising dollars with us. Mm-hmm. And it moves their business, which is what we want it to do. We want it, it moves our business, we want it to move their business. When I meet with with all the sponsors and stuff, I always tell them, it, ha- it has to work for both of us. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work for you, then we're fine. We understand that. Let's, you know, we'll do our best to find somebody else to take your place. But what's going to happen now is that business is going to have to make a decision. Do they continue to give all their advertising, all their sponsorship dollars to Gonzaga athletics, or do they split it? Or do they give it all to a player? See, right. That's, what, that's what's then, always weird to me. In, in that case, weird. that's where we're going to have it. The work's going to come for us athletically for us the athletic department for, for Mark Livingston and, and our Learfield IMG partners yeah. is we're going to have to work it because we're not, we don't want to tell one of our major sponsors or any of our sponsors, no, don't, we don't want you to sign you know, <laughs> Chet Holmgren. We don't want you to, 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 you know, do right by, you know, Drew, Drew Timmy. Yeah. But at the same time, they say, look, we only have, you know, we have a hundred dollars here and we only have a hundred dollars to spend. So we're only going to give you 50 and mm-hmm. we're going to give 50 to the kid now. That's great. But now we're $50 short. Yeah. No, and and so you're going to pound the pavement more. We've got to work yeah. harder. And that's, that's going to, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that works out over time. Uh, yeah. you know, I don't, the, the, I don't sure the right term I want to use here, but some of the people that live in not the real world Mm -hmm. want to say, well, you know, what'll happen here is coaches' salaries will go down. You know, you won't be paying Nick Saban, you know, twelve million dollars, and you know, Kyle Perry nine million dollars, and you know, these guys, their salaries are going to go down because you won't have the resources to pay them, and the coaches will understand that. Okay. Not. Okay. First off, the coaches aren't going to, you know, they're not going to accept that or understand it. And second off, it's not, there's hardly, I mean, name me a industry out there that 
you know, compensation goes down over time. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. And so what it, what, where the onus is going to come is on that athletic director and that staff and the Learfield IMGs of the world to dig out more. We're just going to have to. Yeah. We're going to have to find yeah. more ways. And at the end of the day, again, there's going to be collateral damage. Yeah. You know, the Alston case, it was, you know, last week that the Supreme Court ruled on, that allows institutions to spend more money towards education for student-athletes, basically giving student-athletes more money for their scholarship. Well, that could be easy, seven figures at every school that you don't have in your budget. So now that's new money right there. And at some point, every institution is going to be like, okay, we're not flush anymore. In Gonzaga, we've never been flush, but even a place like Texas that has the highest rep, they give back. They don't give back. They don't get any money from their university up front, mm-hmm. Texas Athletics, and they give every year annually. A surplus, basically. $10 million plus Wow. every year. They give to the academic side of the university wow. from athletics because they make so freaking much money. Yeah, they have their, own, their own network. And all yeah, that. yeah, but they're going to run out of money, too, at some point. And and then tough decisions are going to have to get made. Is it? See, can we have eighteen sports? That's the thing. It's, it's it goes into the to me it creeps into the Title Nine stuff because right. then it goes, well, these uh, sports don't cut it. So let's just so then now are we just going to have baseball, football, basketball? And yeah. it's like again, this is not me trying to pander, but it's like. Title IX was one of the greatest legislations besides the Civil Rights Act, yeah. uh, the United States, you know, emancipation, right. all that's, you know, but sure. it's, it's top five. Right. Easy. Yep. And so now you're going to take, potentially take these opportunities away um, for young women and young girls just because we want to give, like I said, a guy like me who was playing, it was crazy. I could have made a hundred grand off the court. What, what would that so I'm always on the fence about this. Right. Now, if kids want to go and get free meals from a restaurant because they want to post it on their social media all day long. Yeah. That yeah. stuff does. For so sure. like I'm always kind of on the fence, but I'm like, it's not it's not a black or white. It's there's a gray. Oh, and that's why I appreciate it's you. It's a ex- lot of gray. A lot of gray. A lot of gray. And that's where I get in not arguments yeah. with people. I'm like, it's not as simple as you think of yeah, these guys are not getting paid. They're getting screwed. I'm like, maybe a little bit. But also, there's you know the free education and free food and and the flying on private jets, private and, uh, jets, <laughs> and you're around people that if you foster those relationships the right way, you can use them later in life. Right. If you're a good person, like sure. we talked about earlier, right. the, the booster guys that are um, well off, well, we've had countless Gonzaga guys get hired in positions oh, yeah. in around this community that. Oh, yeah. They were Gonzaga basketball player, and that was the first step. And then, sure. oh, you're great too. Boom, yeah, hired. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, you're saying it's it's going to be it's new. That's yes. for sure. This is groundbreaking. This is the most the biggest thing that's ever happened in college athletics. Yeah. Uh, and now it's a matter of making sure that we don't let college athletics get to a destroyed. semi-pro. Basically, that, that would destroy it, in my opinion. It would. I, I, I really, I really am really strongly feeling that that would destroy it. Mm-hmm. The semi pro, the minor league, yeah. that would destroy it. The other piece is we have to find ways to not take away opportunities, <laughs> Title IX or not, it, you know, yeah. men's or women's. Yeah. I mean, we saw, you know, 
Stanford last this past year, they came out and announced they were cutting like five sports. Mm -hmm. They had great timing to do it because they could blame it on COVID. Well, mm -hmm. they, they, they ended up having to bring them back because of the outcry and they couldn't cite finances because they've got a endowment a and billion dollar freaking endowment yeah. you know in athletics so they couldn't cite that but there's places that you're gonna have to make decisions yeah the of, smaller mid-sized universities are the universities well, of, we see it right here yeah eastern we just yeah, if they you just, just watched they, what's going on with eastern they'd made the decision to they're going to stay division one and they're going to continue to fund uh football and basketball but everything else is going to take a hit now no. they'll keep they, you have to have 14 sports. You don't, you don't have a choice. You have to have 14 sports. And, uh, and so you've got, you know, you still got to have those sports, but there's no requirement of how many scholarships you need to have yeah. in those sports. There's no requirement of how many coaches or how, how much those coaches get paid if some of them are part-time or not. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm, uh, I'm afraid we're going to see is the op there still be opportunities for kids to play, but there may be a lot less scholarships wow. available to those kids or the way. level of, of coaching, uh, might not be there mm -hmm. as it's been in the past as people try to balance budgets yeah. with it. And will that happen at Gonzaga? I don't see that happening at Gonzaga. I mean, again, we goes back to we're, something you said earlier, benefaction. We have great benefactors. Yeah. In we're ahead of the curve in a lot of things, but yep. we've we got to think about the whole picture here, not just Gonzaga, right? Right. And, and that's the thing. NTA as a whole. Right. And that's where this whole, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Adam, th th this is a freaking cluster uh, from day one, because what happened was the public and there were media folks out there saying, hey, kids are getting screwed here. You got coaches getting paid millions of dollars and mm -hmm. kids can't can't get a free dinner or, you know, they can't sell a t-shirt with their, you know, mustache on it or mm -hmm. something like that, yeah. you know, and, and they're right. And yet the NCA and we're a member, it's a member institution. So we're a member of that, but the NCA as a whole just stuck their head in the sand and said, no, yeah. no, we're not, we're not going to deal with this. It's not going to happen. We're not going to change. No, this isn't 1965 anymore, yeah. you know, and Can evolve a little bit. What happened is we as an NCA in the leadership kept denying, denying, denying until politicians got involved. <laughs> and now, you know, all these states got involved. Now we have to, now we in the NCA have to go and plead with the federal government to come in and fix it for us. Mm -hmm. The last thing that I think we need in college athletics is being run by a politician. Yeah. Talk about a nightmare. Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. And so, to me, that's the biggest threat right now. Is is that we've we're kind of turning over control to politicians. What, what's what's the Reagan line? And it's, I'm not putting myself in a side here, but it's one of the like one of the worst words you can hear in the English language. I'm here from the I'm from the government. I'm here to help. You're exactly, exactly. <laughs> so true, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Fuey went and sat, you know, and testified before, you know, a Maria Cantwell's committee, and Fuey did a great job with mm -hmm. it. But I, they went around. Every senator on the committee had to say something. Well, the one, you know, the one you know, senator gets up, and all he talks about is all what he's done at his state, <laughs> my state, this, and then my state that. And we did this in my state. We did that in my state. No, and it's just. He's just campaigning. Campaigning. That's all yeah. he's doing. And that's that's my point is you get politicians involved. They yeah, don't really so care they about the outcome. Care. Yeah, they, they just care about getting reelected. 
getting reelected, can you fulfill our budget for my state? Yeah, and you're yeah, exactly that's right. All it and is. the state institutions are going to get it. Yeah, on the yeah. backside. So, uh, all right, Mike, I appreciate it, man. This is yeah. a good conversation. You covered a lot of stuff. Uh, I, no, I mean, I, I wanted you on to uh, kind of give the behind the scenes um, look at the program, and you've been a huge uh, part of the success that they've had over the years. With how you are as a person, you can tell how that from the umbrella down why the culture is what it is. And I've always known you as that, but I think, uh, you know, having you on kind of portrayed that a little bit more uh, in a more personal way. But uh, you've always been good to me, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. You've always let me just be my, be Adam. You know what I'm saying? It's, I was, it's what you're supposed to be. I know, but at some places it would, it, I would rub people the wrong way a little bit. And you guys always accepted me for who I was and, <laughs> and let me be myself. And uh, that's why Gonzaga is a special place. And um, one more quick point. Sure. Next jersey, who do you think should be up top? Besides Courtney Vandersloot, that's obvious. Yeah, I mean Courtney's yeah, that, the next. Right, but that's you know, that's women's basketball. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, on the men's basketball side, hey, boy, I'm not sure I want to take that. I'm not sure I want to take that one. Bury, okay, bury I mean, that one. They're, they're, it's too hard. It's too hard. I know. I mean, it's crazy hard when you start thinking about that's scary. the names. Whether it be Dan, yeah. you know, or or Roni. Yeah. You know, you you look Kelly, at Kelly. I mean, yeah, you just Kelly, see, there's who, so many of them. You it, start hurting feelings well, too. Here, though. Here, well, and then here's a guy that again that you played with, mm-hmm. and it's the only two-time MVP from Gonzaga in our league. And there's only been one other, I think, two-time MVP in mm-hmm. the league. That's Blake. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the only thing that that stopped Blake from having a long-time NBA career is his knees. Yeah. Just like you, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. people don't understand how devastating injuries can be. Yeah, and they, in his case, his was degenerate. Yeah. Like he couldn't even. He could have done. He had, I think he did two micro fracture yeah. surgeries, oh, yeah. which are oh yeah, crazy. He's uh, good yeah. luck. But I mean, and, he, he would have had a really long NBA career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe he just had that mentality, that ability, and mentality both. To play a long time in the mm-hmm. NBA, uh, but he's two-time MVP. Yeah, you know, I didn't in even the think league. That. That's crazy. You know, I mean, in because he didn't, you know, have an NBA career. People, you know, scoff go, at it a little bit. Yeah, you know, a little or bit. Or forget about it. Yeah, yeah, not it, scoff. It, it, but yeah. yeah, and but you know, you look at, you know, all those all those guys over the years, and now in recent years, it starts to get a little crazy. Well, that's you know? that's the I mean, that's we could have three guys in the first round. I know this, this year. I know we had two guys in the first round two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know that that's the part is is really crazy. And you know I go back to you um, again. You know you're still in. And again, I don't think that's going to change this year. The highest pick in the history of Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Here's a unique one for you. Makes it easy to remember. What what number was your pick? Three. What was the number on your jersey? Three. Huh. What number was uh, Olenek? 13. What number was on his jersey? 13. What about Sabonis? I forgot. 11 and 11. 11. That's perfect. So How that, about that? <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. I didn't so even think of that. No, no, you know, Jalen wore number one. So maybe. But, he, I, yeah. you, know, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. That'd be kind of uh, cool if it But it, it would kind of cool. But I just, I didn't know if you. <laughs> I never put that together. Yeah, that's funny. Know, see, I put that one together for you. There again, you go. So, yeah. I learned something new every day. <laughs> that and Steve Kerr. 
Yes, that was actually that was a great opener. I appreciate you sharing that because I didn't know he had any uh, connection with Gonzaga. But again, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. I know it's you're winding your career down, so you're uh, spending a lot of time at the lake. <laughs> so I when it's dragged this, you. When well, it's, it's 105 hot. out, so I've yep. been up there too. I yeah. don't blame you. But no. uh, uh, again, thanks to Nolai uh, Brujas yep. letting us come in here and, and use the facility. Because the, the air conditioning is working. Here. Yeah, it's nice and cool <laughs> in here. The studio for Speak is... Uh, the HVAC went out in the whole building, so we uh, we're lucky enough. But again, uh, always, Mike, it's always been fun to you know see you on the road and stuff, and have these conversations, have a few beers every once in a while, like sitting next to you on a flight when you're scared shitless the whole time. <laughs> Mike yeah. doesn't like to fly, by like the way. To, I don't like to fly anymore. But, Mike doesn't like to fly. So. But I used to make sure Adam got the emergency exit. Yes. Right, just so everybody knows. Very good point. You were always like, hey, Mo, you can take that. You can. I'd yes. always make sure that Mo yes. had the emergency exit row. Which See see how good of a person he is? I just threw him on the bus and made fun of him for not liking to fly. And then he's like, oh, do you remember when you were a grad assistant? I still put you in the emergency exit row. I was like, that's that, pretty good. Exactly right. So thanks, yeah, Mike. Yeah, you know, it helps that I, you know, I'm not as tall as you are, but I'm tall enough to know that the, those other seats suck. Oh, they're terrible. They're awful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, there's been some long ones. We did the one uh, going to Hawaii. And yeah. you were like, Mo, take the emergency. Because I didn't want to step out of bounds, but right. I wanted to be, I also was ready to be like, hey, guys, give me this seat, right. please, or yeah. whatever. And yeah, so it worked out. But again, thanks, Mike. You thanks bet. For coming Appreciate on. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. Thanks, my friend. If you enjoyed this episode of The Perimeter, then make sure to go check out Sack and Jack, featuring two Zag alums, one from the court, Robert Zachary, and one from the booth, Jack Ferris. That's Sack and Jack. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. The Perimeter with Adam Morrison is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Mercedes of Spokane.